boring, isn't it? I mean, really, it is. Talking of boring, United played Reading two weeks ago, and, you know, when there's an international break, we don't get to review the fixture in a timely fashion. But it's not necessarily a bad thing, because, woo, snooze fest. Yeah, it was pretty awful, wasn't it? Yeah, Man United won 1-0, and honestly, for all the money in the world, I couldn't tell you who scored. Um, This is literally a guess. I watched the game, I am literally guessing... Rooney? Did Rooney score? <laughs> Did I know? Rooney, it was Rooney, there you go. Well done, well done, Waza. He's, he's in unstoppable goal machine form at the moment. Scored against Chelsea and then scored against Reading and then scored against San Marino. No easy games in international football anymore. And then scored against Montenegro. So it, it, he really is hitting some proper goal scoring form at a, a decent time for United, isn't he? Well, very true, although the populations of San Marino and Montenegro probably don't equal the population of Reading. I, I, I'm not I'm not sure which was the tougher ask there, but yeah, scoring goals and plenty of goals. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that Reading game, I mean, you know, United have definitely uh, entered a bit of a trough of form, but fortunately a bunch of easy fixtures in a row. And let's hope the international cob break has cleared some of the cobwebs of that Madrid game. Well, maybe, but of course, a lot of United players did play, so and quite a few games, and there's there's concern about those who were far afield, like Shinji Kagawa and Chicharito and Antonio Valencia. So they all travelled some distance, but the, fortunately, there's a group of players who didn't uh, play take part in the international break: um, Vidic and Giggs and Scholes, who's apparently coming back to fitness, and Anderson and Raphael. So um, I, I suspect that all of them will play some part in the double header in the, the next few days. And a player who you didn't mention there who missed the international break was, of course, Qatar's finest football pundit, Rio Ferdinand. His predetermined fitness regime, um, which, I, I, you know, I was delighted to see Rio not play for England because, you know, who, who cares? And that the, he's been treated so appallingly. He always said that he would go back and play for them and he did appear to have accepted the call up. But then, uh, you know, I mean, it's sort of ridiculous to go and play against San Marino when you're his age and his back's in the state it's in. I, I guess PR wise, not, not a good move to go and do commentary in Qatar. But anyone suggesting that that's equivalent to joining an international two leg trip, it's a bit ridiculous, isn't it? Well, well, yeah, the the first-class flight over to Qatar is is not going to drain him too much. Warm weather training, wasn't it? No, that's, that's part of the fitness regime. Getting some sun, sun on his back. Uh, completely pointless playing against uh, Montenegro or San Marino. A completely useless side. So, uh, unfortunately for England, of course, England are completely useless too. Yeah, Montenegro are not completely useless by any stretch of the imagination. They're a pretty decent side. Yeah, there's about three people in the country. <laughs> I know, but they're all footballers. It's not even a real country anyway, is it? <laughs> <laughs> so w- what you're saying is the delicate balance of the Balkan states is not your necessarily your area of cultural expertise. Yeah, so Montenegro, not rubbish, but San Marino, completely rubbish. And I don't know, loads of United players played for England. I was barely able to muster the slightest bit of enthusiasm. Uh, he played well, and Rooney had an extremely good 45 minutes uh, against Montenegro the first time round. Uh, then the se- second half was absolutely appalling. Yeah, interesting stats, actually. I mean, Karak, regularly gets up to around 90 or 100 passes for United, 28 in the first half and 12 in the second half. Well, 19, sorry, and Gerrard had 12 in the second half. So no, midfield was really where England lost the battle in the second half, definitely, and Karak didn't have a good second half. Neither, neither did many of his colleagues either. 
interesting the San Marino game I, I've only seen the goal highlights I don't suppose you really need to see more than that I, I was in California much nicer and warmer thanks <laughs> yes did you have a nice time on holiday Ed I, I was not on holiday I was checking out those what created the interwebs etc you met Tim Berners-Lee no I have met him before have you I thought you were on holiday that's April when you're having some time off yeah, no, I was visiting some VCs and Facebook. You went to Facebook? I did, I did indeed, went to Facebook. Did you, like, tell them that the best thing that's happened because of their website is at MUFC underscore Facebook? I did not. You should have grabbed the horse of Continuum and done that. Danny Welbeck played for England and didn't score any goals, but he did run around a lot and do excellent dribbling. Got a bit of a problem, Danny, hasn't he? It would be nice to see the output match the quality. Yeah, he just doesn't score any goals. It's a bit of a problem for a striker. I mean, he's fast becoming the next ML Heskey. Discuss. Oh, ouch. Oh, oh that one's going to linger. <laughs> ML Heskey never scored in the Bernabeu. This is very true, but he's, uh, he's absolutely ripping up the A-League at the moment. Yes. I think it's fair to say that international break has knocked the wind out of our podcasting sales a little bit, hasn't it, Ed? We have a week off, so there's a bit of ring rust when you come back and do this. And also, there is just nothing interesting to talk about. And Rio Gate happened, but what's there to be said? England fans are, by and large, I know not everyone that supports the England national team, but the kind of vociferous England fans, you know, they, they're going to turn on Rio because he's betrayed his country and all that nonsense and drive cabs around London expressing their displeasure and you know it's all got a horrible racist undertone uh, and is completely nonsensical because his country betrayed him way before he betrayed them well quite yeah I, I didn't see the horror at John Terry's resignation all of this is remarkably two-faced isn't it you know it was, so Rio's been ordered by his club to not play in two completely pointless games against you know completely rubbish countries there's only only one of them was pointless. You've got to stop saying it's two completely pointless games. One of them was pointless. One was against the people that are topping the group in that group. Yeah, look, one country's got you know, a smaller population than Vatican City. The, the other San Marino. <laughs> yes, but it doesn't matter what your population size is if they're all good at football. No, but uh, I mean, seriously... Yeah, you're saying it's not size that counts, it's the, the motion in the, the football ocean. Something along those lines. The one really noticeable notable thing from International Week was that Montenegrin bloke with a mo- megaphone who clearly mistook megaphone for mega death because he was giving it the full death metal vocals at one point. It, it was a pleasure to behold. It was, unlike the football. There were other United players in action, of course. So Patrice Evra played for France a couple of times. Uh, one of them a defeat to Spain at uh, Stade de France. Uh, Paul Pogba played... You remember him, Paul Pogba, played and got sent off. Classic stuff there from the Juventus match. I mean, like, the fact that he got sent off sort of slightly changed the narrative about this one because there was a point where he was having an absolutely storming game against, you know, the world and European champions, Spain, not, what, six months after he wasn't good enough to play a Carling Cup game for United. The, the more I think about Pogba, that I think that the club mishandled that situation. They they either un, they just basically undervalued his real true value, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Because it's all very well to kind of say, oh, he's he's left us and turned his back on the glory of Manchester United for the cold hard cash. But he was really poorly treated when he was in the reserves. 
Well, he just didn't get the opportunities. I don't know whether that equals poorly treated. And he didn't get the opportunities and United didn't come up with a financial offer. And, and the consequences that we've lost a very, very good player who's now doing very well in Syria, playing for France against the European Championship, champions, and world champions, Euro and world double, everything champions, champions of the universe. And, and, and you know, that's, that's a 15 to 20 million pound player that uh, has been lost to United as a result of some financial short-sightedness, I think. Anyway... And which contrasts nicely, I suppose, with United's decision to spend an awful lot on Robin Van Persie. They, uh, interesting, there were stories this week suggesting that because of the Van Persie deal, the fact that United spent £24 million up front and his £200,000 a week plus wages means that there may well be some players leaving on the fringes of the squad in the summer to rebalance the box. We'll see whether that happens or not. But he scored twice against Azerbaijan and once against Estonia. Holland won twice. Just can't stop scoring for the international side. Maybe he'll translate it into his club form. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's got to be good that he's getting goals. You, you know, it would have been nice if he'd had a rest for a couple of weeks, but the second best outcome is that he scores a bunch of goals, gets his form back. Rooney and Van Persie both scoring, and Chicharito scoring, making it 30 in 45 for Mexico, which is... He's the opposite of Danny Welbeck, isn't he? He's just a man who scores goals and doesn't really do much else. But scoring goals is really, really a big thing, isn't it? It, it, well, it is when you're a striker. It helps. Uh, Shinji Kigawa played for Japan. Uh, Japan beat Canada. I guess that was a friendly rather than a World Cup qualifier. And then and then Japan lost to Jordan in a World Cup qualifier. But uh, Kigawa scored in that once. Mixed stuff from Kigawa. Because a, a million English players played. Antonio Valencia played for Ecuador. Ecuador. He did, and, and got a couple of very good assists uh, in Ecuador's 5-0 win over El Salvador. Maybe he'll come back. Maybe everyone will come back, all firing on all cylinders and super excited and raring to go and rediscovering their confident touch that had sort of ebbed away from the side, apart from the English midfielders. Yes. When you say that players might have to leave on the fringes of the squad, have we got any players left on the fringes of our squad? Unless you count, I don't know, Anderson? He's sort of on the fringes of the squad. Isn't everyone else gone? Yeah, well, I suppose there are question marks over Anderson and Nani and potentially Fabio, whether he comes back or not, or heads off elsewhere. What happens with Darren Fletcher as well? And and then what happens in the striking department? Because uh, Welbeck almost certainly won't go, but uh, Chicharito maybe wants some more game time. So th- those kind of questions. We'll, we'll see, of course. Wilfred Zahar is coming in, and, and so uh, people will uh, expect that at least one of United's wide players will leave. Yeah, right, I guess so. Although we've been pretty short of wide player options quite a few times this season, haven't we? So maybe one of them leaving is not the best thing that could happen. True. One player not leaving in the summer, uh, the aforementioned Robin Van Persie, said this week that uh, he'll definitely be at United for the next few years, maybe longer. Ooh, speculation. United could be my last club. I mean, he's quite old, so, you know, it's not the, the most remarkable thing that he's ever suggested. You know, it could be his last club. I mean, you know, if he plays to the age of 38 and follows the Ryan Giggs model, then it'll be quite something if he if he stays at the club for 10 years. True. And uh, we have to check on the veracity of Van Persie's comments. He also said, Ferguson is one of the friendliest people I've ever crossed in my life. It was a brilliant clip of an interview with a younger United player anyway, someone that's not been at the squad for very long. And, you know, they, they was talking to Giggs in Skulls after Sir Alex had sort of raised the voice a little and, you know, of course, quite something, isn't it? And the Giggs and Skulls just like looking at him like, no, this is absolutely nothing compared to what he used to be like. He's definitely a changed manager, isn't he? Yeah, he's gone soft in his old age, 71 years 
Right. Uh, of course, speculation's mounting very strongly in the papers again this week and in the uh, various gossip columns that uh, Mourinho is heading back to Chelsea in the summer. And that would probably write off any chances he's got of, of taking over United. Uh, consequence, possibly, of, uh, of, of Ferguson telling him when they had a glass of wine recently that there's no chance of quitting in the next year or maybe more. Unfortunately, that does mean that David Moyes is taking over in summer 2015. Well, not me. I don't know. Might be fine. Who knows? There's there's no way of knowing whether David Moyes would be a good United manager or not. Apart from he's never won anything ever. That's probably not a great sign. But you know, it's kind of like saying there's no way of knowing whether cancer would be bad or not. No, surely not. Do you, are you really like super anti the idea of Moyes taking over then? Well, apart from the the fact that he has won nothing and and achieved nothing and never really taken his side into European football, certainly not much of it. And half the time he's been at Everton, they've been long ball merchants. They play some decent football this year. I'll give them that. So you're not in the Moises next camp then. Uh, I, I I still want Ollie to take the job. That's I, I'm going to hold on to that position and until somebody much more sensible gets the job actually you know Fergie could just retire in the summer and surprise everyone but it just looks like there's absolutely no sign of that whatsoever none at all I think he's going strong I think he's been reinvigorated this season and and it's a it's a nice segue into Ferguson saying that he wants United to get 95 points same points total as Chelsea achieved a few years ago Premier League record and uh, United uh, only need 21 points in order to equal 95 there's 27 left to play with nine games to go. Check out my maths there. It's perfectly possible, of course, by Ferguson saying that he's completely jinxed it. And we know as soon as United have won the title, there's uh, me hoping I didn't jinx that one touch wood, uh, then he'll play a bunch of kids and the players will turn off and we'll lose four or five games in a row. I don't know. Are we we saying we're definitely going to win the title? It seems ridiculous to suggest otherwise, but we did put in a proper title-throwing performance against Reading and managed to scrape a win out of it. But, you know, beating Reading 1-0 at home is proper bottling it form, actually. You know, not quite losing, but it makes the away trip to Sunderland look like a very daunting task, even though they couldn't beat 10-man Norwich at their own place a couple of weeks ago. Very true, yeah. Uh, Talking to Fergie, interesting... I don't normally spend my time on manunited.com, the dirty PR rag that it is. <laughs> Interesting look at uh, Sir Alex's office. Oh, I haven't seen that. Uh, have you not? He's got a rather red carpet, a lot of cups of tea for throwing around, obviously, a, a little bar area and a couple of, couple of large brown sofas interesting stuff i have to say that manunited.com for an evil you know corporate propaganda machine there's some really good writers and some really nice decent seeming people that work on that website so you know i think even though the website itself is kind of horrific horrifically designed some of the content is actually pretty worthwhile stuff i think and there's some quite personal writing on there i think look there were some lovely people in the stalin regime too no, they weren't. They really weren't. I'm pretty sure they really weren't. It's, it seems unlikely. I'm having a look at Sir Alex's office now, and there's, those are big sofas, and as you say, that, that's a lot of cups of tea, and you've got to think, what, does he line three people up on the sofa and just boot the cups of tea at them one at a time? Maybe. You know what I really want to know? Has he christened them with Kathy? Oh, no. Oh. You know, you have two weeks off a podcast and you think, what would my life be like if I didn't do this podcast every week? And like, right at this very minute, that seems a very appealing idea. <laughs> if, that, if I didn't do this podcast, then I wouldn't have that image in my head. And I'm sure that means my life would be better. I'm pretty convinced about that. You know what will make your life better? What? United's trip to Sunderland at the weekend. 
When Jolly goes marching down the wing, O'Shea, O'Shea. The best thing about Sunderland is obviously the fact that John O'Shea plays for them. They make a terrible mistake, though. They just play him in the same position every week, and we all know that weakens his powers considerably. That sounds a bit friendly, and I think we don't want to be too friendly about this. Well, not only is there an opportunity to drive home United's 15-point advantage, in fact, it could be up to 18 after United play. United play at lunchtime before City take on Newcastle at the Etihad later in the day. But there's a certain amount of revenge needed, I think, for last season, and then that end-of-season Poznan-type effort that the Sunderland fans put in. Yeah, before we get to the uh, decimation of Sunderland, we should continue the friendly streak for just a brief moment, because I'm apparently not the only one that wants to serenade Johnny. When you think of John O'Shea, you think of the trip against Arsenal, the 90th minute winner at the cop. But me, I think of a song, and because it's Sunderland away this weekend, I think it's only fair that I do a rendition of When Johnny Goes Marching on the Wing. This is Hugh Rancast. When Johnny Goes Marching Down the Wing, O'Shea. Oh, shit. When Johnny goes marching down the wing, oh, shit. Oh, shit. When Johnny goes marching down the wing, the Stratford end will sing. We all know that Johnny's gonna score. Ha na 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 Johnny's gonna score. Excellent work there, Mark, but all that set aside, that Poznan at the end of last season that everyone's so kind of keen to get revenge from, there's a sort of massive collective sense of humour bypass amongst United fans about that, surely. No, no, I, I think there's no humour to be had in that at all. A bunch of sad regional fans celebrating another team's victory with, with a crap ripped off celebration. All right, fair enough. Yeah, uh, obviously that was that was a, a horrible moment and uh, celebrated by. Uh, but but you know, football fans in Schadenfreude shock. There's nothing to that really. But yeah, United now uh, hate Sunderland. They they're now going to become. It's now going to be and Leeds and Sunderland in that song. Oh, rightly so, don't you think? I mean, yeah, I, I think we could adapt a whole bunch of hate songs in Sunderland's favour. We all like Sunderland. We all like Sunderland. We all like Sunderland. We all like Sunderland. Yeah, one syllable too many there. That's true. Call them Mackhams or Geordies just to offend them. <laughs> yes. I, I don't know. I, apart from that, that thing, what they done, that terrible crime of, of mocking other fans. In fact, they clearly spurred United onto great things. Sir Alex using that as a kind of battle cry for the whole season this season. You know, remember what those Sunderland fans did to you. And he, you know, he obviously found it to be very small time. And I can't help thinking it's going to get a bit of a mention in the team talk in the build up to it. I wonder if he'll pick Phil Jones for sentimental reasons, just so he can run around and scythe into a few Sunderland players out of revenge. Yeah, we need a bit of revenge. And unfortunately, Lee Casamol's injured, because he, he, he's always a good one to kick, isn't he? Well, yeah, but you say unfortunately, but like, you know, the rest of our season is very grateful that Lee Casamol is injured, because clearly he is that type of a player. And, and on a more serious note, I mean, Sunderland's in deep trouble, really. Four points off the relegation zone, not in any kind of great form at all. Haven't, haven't won in a few games. You know, a draw with Norwich last time. That was probably a good result for them, but lost at QPR. And that was, that was a huge result for QPR and a, and a massive massive one for Sunderland, too, in real trouble, I think. Yeah, I mean, they're awful. They, I, I, I don't watch very much non-United football, but I actually watched that Sunderland-Norwich match because it very quickly became hilarious uh, with players sort of handballing and 
getting sent off and flapping about the place. But it was totally devoid of quality. They yeah, they've got some decent players, but that team is completely broken. I mean, having said all this, they'll massively up their game and look half decent against United. But I thought they were totally woeful against Norwich. Well, they've lo- they've lost to both QPR and Reading in the last few weeks, and and their last victory was in the middle of January. So it's it's pretty dire. They're in they're in real real trouble. I mean, they they lost one nil to Arsenal. That's how bad they are. You have to say that out of the sort of five or so teams that are now in it, Sunderland probably look the worst out of all of them at the moment on form. Yeah, Villa have got some momentum. Wigan, a couple of good results recently. Southampton have got some momentum too. So Sunderland are the ones that are potentially on the slide, I mean, alongside West Ham, I suppose. And they've got that four-point cushion, but that's not much, especially Wigan have got a game in hand, I think, if I remember correctly. So it, suddenly that's not, a, that's not much of a cushion at all. No, absolutely. Um, and it's not a cushion when their next fixtures are like, I don't know, they've got to play us and then Chelsea and then like Barcelona, then Real Madrid. I don't know. It's, it's a tough fixture list anyway. That's what I'm, I'm trying to say. It's, it's going to be really difficult for them. And how do you feel about Martin O'Neill as a manager? Because I, I, I don't remember what world. Was it 2002, the World Cup, where they had him on the BBC as a pundit and he just absolutely elevated the discourse around that World Cup. It, it was an absolute treat to have him on the TV screens. Yeah, I mean, there's something about his career is a bit disappointing, really. I, he had such a good time at Wickham and then Leicester and then moved on to, to Celtic, didn't he? There seemed to be some real momentum in his career. looked like at one stage that he was building towards a really big job, right? Potentially United-sized job. And and he seems to have gone backwards. I mean, he walked out on Aston Villa uh, ostensibly over money. I mean, he, he actually had some really good funding at Villa uh, until Lerner you know, decided to pull in the pull in the finances somewhat and, and try and get Villa on a financial even keel and, and, and he's gone backwards as a result and you kind of think if he if he can't pull this around at Sunderland he'll go in the summer because because he'll just have to because it's, a, it's not a great performance at all this, this season and where does he go after this you know then he's looking at the bottom reaches of the Premier League at best. I mean, it's a really interesting thing, the whole thing about managerial, the the paths of a managerial career, because actually, up to the point of walking out on Aston Villa, it's all looking good, because he was doing a pretty sterling job at Villa, that's certainly the best they've played, like in terms of the quality of football, and they had some really good players in that side, and it looked like it was coming together, and something obviously happened, you know, because it, it was just a very, very strange scenario, and he, he really left Villa in the lurch, and they really haven't recovered from that, and nor has he, but you could write off one bad job as a sort of just a bad fit because not every manager who's good and could do a really good job for ev- for a club could do that a, a good job at any club that he was at you know each each club requires specific set of skills and you know everyone's circumstances are different so I, I mean I think it would be a mistake to write off his not that I'm saying you were doing this but in general it's a sort of mistake to write off his ability as a manager altogether because it hasn't worked out at Sunderland well yeah but I, I think that's thing about momentum is key because you get a reputation right i mean so, so yeah. alex got sacked from his first job at east sterlingshire and, and managed to you know head on and upwards and onwards and on to fantastic things since then if it had gone wrong in his second job it, it could have been a very different story and and just look this week phil brown once of whole fame just taken over at south end yeah no absolutely and and you know you fall off the managerial merry-go-round and it really is problematic but you'd think that O'Neill has won you know he's won trophies not just at Celtic either you know he won he won trophies with Leicester which is not something that anyone really thought he would do 
I just think that if he if Sunderland all does go down in in flames, he'll be able to re- I, I think he'll be able to rebuild his reputation somewhere. You would imagine. Maybe not though. You, you're right about momentum. It, it is the dominant you know the dominant narrative around O'Neill right now is that he's doing a pretty terrible job, and who knows why that is? Whether that's him or there's more to it. Um, but 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 yeah, Sunderland look absolutely atrocious, and I think we're going to beat them. <laughs> yeah, not a huge shout. Yeah, a little adjunct to that. Uh, another person who looks absolutely atrocious and he's probably never going to repair his reputation Luis Suarez decided that he didn't like his opponent so he was just going to punch him in the face I haven't seen this could you talk me through the incident it's a it's a set piece and and they're jostling in the box and and uh, you know they're they're a bit tight and intimate as as they do and he decides to just like kind of rabbit punch the guy in the face you know little little punch and nice Classy. That's after stamping on the Russian bloke a couple of weeks back for Liverpool. And that old racism bit and uh, and being an ugly bastard too. And that time when he cruelly robbed the continent of Africa of a moment of glory. And that time when he bit someone's ear off and then had it with a nice Bernays sauce. You called it a rabbit punch just because he looks like a rabbit, didn't you? It's time for some ridiculous Twitter questions because it's been a long time. At NRMiller0102 asks, cookies or ice cream can't be both. Can. Have you not seen the whole, you know, cookie dough, ice cream business that goes on? But if you had to choose one or the other, what would you choose? Never for the rest of your life, you can't have the other one. You can only have one. Would you choose biscuits or ice cream? I would have both. That's the magic. That's the magic of the chiller cabinet (laughs) at Tesco's or Sainsbury's or any of your local stores. Listen, what I'm saying is, in a hypothetical universe, without cookies and cream ice cream, without cookie dough ice cream, where you can only choose for the rest of your life either to eat biscuits or to eat ice cream, which would you pick? Let's let's do a real question, right? Rapid fire, you've got to give me one answer. No no hesitation, no guessing. Okay. Ever or Raphael? Raphael. Cleverly or Anderson? Cleverly. Rooney or Van Persie? Van Persie, because of my love. Schmeichel or Van der Zaar? Schmeichel. Charlton or Best? Charlton. Giggs or Dong Fang Chu? <laughs> Dong Fang Chu, obviously. Hey! <laughs> Knocked it out of the park. Right, more questions. Incidentally, I think I would have biscuits rather than ice cream if I could only have one or the other for the rest of my life. Because you can't dunk ice cream in tea. At Amplified to Rock asks, with WrestleMania 29 only two weeks away, which United players would make the best pro wrestlers and why? I think the De Silva twins would have an awesome gimmick where they could, you know, be a tag team and sneakily the other one will come in and, you know, they'd be like the Rockers where they'd do loads of kind of really acrobatic aerial manoeuvres because they'd be like the smaller type of wrestler. But they could, you know, trick people by pretending to be the other one. And then, like, they could have Pele as their wrestling ring manager. It'd be great. Yeah. Sumo, Anderson and Rooney, tag team. Harsh but fair, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, I think I think uh, Robin Van Persie could pull off an incredible heel turn as well. This sort of relates to your rapid fire questions session there, Ed. At Joe Taylor 84 says a simple question, but one that often divides opinion. Who is United's best player? Wayne Rooney. Paul Scholes. There you go. Opinion was divided. It was Paul Scholes. So you, you think Rooney Rooney is the best player in United squad then? Yeah, he's the most complete player, yeah. Interesting. A very interesting position uh, that you hold there. I don't think... I think it's hard to argue. I think Van Persie's pretty incredible, though, isn't he? It, he was until all the Van persie drained out of him about a month ago. It'll be back. It's It's been gone before and then come back. You know, it used to happen to King Eric. 
All right, so at Red Genius has a question about Rio, but nothing to do with England. He says, do you think that because he hasn't extended his contract yet, he could actually be off this summer? And that's why there's the constant speculation about Garay. And I know you hate Garay, right? He's like your least favourite player in the world, as far as I can work out. Well, I mean, I, th- I think that's a bit of an exaggeration, just a little bit. I, I don't think he's worth the 20-odd million that uh, is reported. Uh, I mean, th- this one has been going on and on and on forever, and it, it's not just the, the speculation that's appeared in the papers recently. Obviously, Mendes is his agent. There's some very good links here. It looks like United are trying to do a deal. I don't think they'll do a deal in mid-20s, and, and uh, maybe they'll bring him in. I mean, look, it's not, it's not the worst purchase in the world. I don't think he's that calibre of player. Yeah, I have to say, uh, honestly, but maybe he'll prove me wrong. I hope if he turns up, he does. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Because nowadays, when you say, look, it's not the worst signing ever, or you could even say, like, it's not the worst Man United signing ever because Man United have made the worst signing in history now. But it's like, it's all, it's all, I can be your hero, Bebe stuff, isn't it? He's, he, he is the hero of all other bad signings to come because you'd be like, well, you know, it's not a good signing and he's definitely slightly overvalued, but at least it's not Bebe level of overvalued. Well, yeah, same agent though, you know, and then... <laughs> Ought to bring chills to the spine, or at least a bit of caution in the checkbook. Um, at we some underscore says, which current five United players would you choose in the Man United futsal team? Oh well, I mean, it'd have to be all the tech technical players, obviously. You know, it's, yeah, it's going to have to be Van Persie and Rooney and and uh, cleverly and Carrick and Rio. Okay, so I think I'd have I'd have Rio as the, no I'd have Johnny Evans as a defender because uh, he's become becoming increasingly technically adept. Although there was that lovely chip, that difficult one. Now I'm going to say Johnny Evans to be different from you. I think I would have Cleverly and Nani as my two central midfielders, uh, and then um, you'd have you've got to have Kagawa in there, haven't you? Ah, yeah, two good shouts there, Nani and Kagawa. And then Welbeck up front, because it's futsal. You know, back heels are more important than goals in futsal, surely. Uh That's very true. Very true. All right, so uh, moving on to the Sunderland game. Before we we do, at Jack K. Holt has a question uh, which relates to Sunderland. uh, And it also relates back to the international break, because Rooney was within inches of scoring a chip. And we all know how much he loves chips. That's not a weight joke. That's a he keeps trying to chip the keeper when the keeper's standing on his line joke. It all goes back to that Portsmouth goal uh, which is was a stunning chip and and jack asks what's your favorite ever united chip perhaps Cantona versus sunderland or o'shea versus arsenal so double sunderland connection there two very good two very good shouts i mean it's obviously Cantona, right or all that that one george best did many years ago yes oh the goal that was good enough to win the grand national God, what a goal that is you know you think like maybe maybe there's people listening to this show that have never seen that goal because they're i don't know y- younger fans or whatever but make sure you do because it, it's a shivers down the spine chip it's it's cooler than any of these other chips, and there are some cool chips in this list. Uh, Rooney, Rooney versus Portsmouth in with an absolutely massive shower because I just like the way he was really running full pelt and sort of stopped and chipped in that one. But yeah, uh, since then he's made up for it by a series of incredibly pointless chips. He just should stop it, I think. Yeah, it's good, good, good quality analysis there. Uh, there is, <laughs> there is another game coming up after we play Sunderland, and there's only a 48-hour break before we resume hostility to use the football cliche with Chelsea in the replay uh, of that two-all draw uh, this one at Stamford Bridge and let's hope it's it's more United in the first half of that game than United in the second half of that game well talking to hostilities Fergie versus Benitez handshake gate mark 
heaven, you know? Do you think they'll shake hands? Do you think either of them cares? I know for sure I do not care whether they shake hands or not. Yeah, I mean, I'd like it to just descend into fisticuffs. I think that'd be quite good. I don't know, he's a pretty old dude now, Sir Alex. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but uh, you never lose the, the Glasgow kiss, though, do you? You don't, and he's got Mickey feeling there to, if he's too distraught to fight Benitez, will get him to do it for him. Yeah, well, you know, one can attack from above and Mickey Phelan can attack from below. (laughs) Perfect. I mean, that Chelsea game is obviously a very, very different prospect to Sunderland. And I I think squad balance and rotation is key, isn't it? You mentioned all those players that didn't have really gruelling international schedules. You'd think they're more likely to play against Sunderland and then he'll, you know, he's going to play some of those players that are tired now in in that game against Chelsea. What are your thoughts and feelings about our prospects in that one? I, th- I think the chances of Ferguson swapping in the team entirely is is quite strong for for those two games, and I think he'll use the he'll use the strength of his squad. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, with a fifteen point lead, he can take some risks. The, the the problem is, of course, that he doesn't want to get injuries. So some of those players have been away for a, a, a long time and long distance. Kegawa and and Valencia and Chicharito especially probably won't play against Sunderland. I mean, it's just it's too much of a risk, isn't it? So they probably will end up playing against Chelsea with a couple of extra days rest chances for united well chelsea got the same problem of course they they play at the weekend as well in fact they play later than united so united get a couple of extra hours rest i suppose chelsea need it more so that makes them slight favorites for me now i think uh, i think ferguson is likely to play a weaker team against chelsea even though there's that 15 point gap um, it's interesting. interesting shout. I, I kind of would have thought it might be the other way around. But yeah, it's, it's very feasible because obviously the league is massively the priority, isn't it? Um, it's just because there's that 15-point lead. I mean, the thing is, one of the things about the FA Cup is that what's on the table is a semi-final at Wembley against Manchester City, which is obviously like a very appealing idea in terms of getting some revenge for the last time we were in that situation. And I think we're well-placed to do that. So you'd wonder if the prize of that will focus the players minds but on on the flip side sir alex knows that'll be no joke you know that that will take it out of the players uh, in a way that you know previous fa cup ties haven't this season we haven't had that schedule of grueling emotionally intense fa cup ties we've just had a string of kind of mid-ranked premier league clubs haven't we well, yeah, but, but you know, this is United out of Europe and, and so the fixture congestion problem isn't there anymore, right? And, yeah. and there's only nine Premier League games left, so uh, I, I don't think we have to worry. I and mean, this, this is unusual because off the back of a doubleheader international game, there's a doubleheader domestic game. And, so, uh, and, and with so many players playing in international games, that has caused a problem, I think, for the rest of the season after this. So it isn't so much of an issue. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, all right, so uh, what would be? I think predicted scores are less interesting than predicted lineups in in these two games. What, I mean, the one thing that I'm pretty confident about is Chicharito will start against Chelsea, uh, and if he doesn't, that's a huge technical error because he just he's definitely, definitely, definitely going to score probably within about ten minutes if we if he does start. This is very true because he always scores against Chelsea. Also, I mean, he's had he's had all those games in South America, so um, I, I think you can you can bank on Kagawa, Valencia, and Chicharito all starting against Chelsea. Uh, they might change, swap out the goalkeeper. Who knows? I mean, David Hayes had an interesting week uh, with the Spanish squad. A lot of focus on him. Of course, he didn't play, but uh, it's, it's probably mentally draining as anything. I think with that one. 
so he might get a get a rest against Chelsea as well. We'll see how Rooney and Van Persie have come back from their exploits. I mean, Rooney should be fine. Van Persie played twice and scored, so you want to build on that momentum. So I think they'll probably both play against Sunderland. And actually, I think it will be close to a normal-looking side against Sunderland and, and more of the squad uh, against Chelsea. Okay, interesting. I, I, I think my instinct is that it's though that might be flip flopped, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to be wrong at all on that one. And the the one thing is though, I think there's unless De Gea is actually you know fighting off an injury or something, I think there's almost no way that Lindegaard will play against Chelsea. Um, just I mean De Gea's had excellent performances against Chelsea, and he hasn't played Lindegaard since that game against Reading that feels like it happened about four seasons ago. So I'd, I'd be really surprised. Fair enough. Well, we'll see. So uh, we got to predict some scores because that's what we do. It is. Uh, we, we predict scores wrongly at this point in the show. That's what we do. I think that we're going to beat Sunderland 3-0. No, 2-0. 2-0. And then uh, we're going to beat Chelsea 2-1. Right, very good. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a comfortable win at Sunderland. I think it might be even an easy win. So I'm going to go for a 3-0 win. Oh no. Have we ever, seriously, I'm not just sort of making fun, but have we ever, ever had an easy win when you've predicted an easy win? Or do you have a 100% success rate at predicting an easy win and then we're really bad? Totally. That time then when United stuck nine past Ipswich, I said, that's going to be an easy win. I, I, I saw Andy Cole in a bar after that game. He looked pretty pleased with himself. You'd think so. Yeah, he, he'll be back at Old Trafford for the United versus Real Madrid Legends game later in the summer. Uh, does Andy Cole qualify as, as... I think that's a really tricky borderline case there for does Andy Cole qualify as United legend by the Rankast stringent legend criteria? What, what are the stringent legend criteria? Well, Quinton Fortune is not a United legend, even though that's how he's billed on MUTV. And I might argue that Cristiano Ronaldo is not a United legend. He's a very good player that played for us for part of his career. Oof, oof. Now, you have some tough criteria. I mean, Andy Cole, 121 goals in 231 games. That's not bad. No, it's not bad. (laughs) But it's not best Lauren Charlton, Giggs, Skulls, Cantona and Bebe, is it? That's it. You've just, that is the entire list. And Duncan Edwards, and that's it. The rest of them, yeah. Giggs, so Gig Skulls, Edwards, Charlton, Best, Bebe. That's your futsal team right there. <laughs> I think I think Best may still put in a better performance than Bebe. He might do, yeah, he might do. Good around the box. Is that a coffin joke, by the way? <laughs> yeah. It's a bit subtle for you. <laughs> <laughs> took me a while to get there, but it's a good quality piece of work. There's no denying it. I guess that just about wraps it up for another one of these, uh, and this time we'll be back next week. That's nice, isn't it? It's a little break from the rank cast, and we're hopefully next week's show we'll have stuff to talk about, and we'll be back in the podcasting swing of things. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm I'm taking a business trip to um, Outer Mongolia. <laughs> no, I'm really not. I'm in the country and prepared to rant. If you uh, want to get us in the meantime, you can do so by attacking us on Twitter at UTD Rantcast for me at United Rant for Ed uh, you can email us cast at unitedrant.co.uk or you can leave a comment on the show thread at unitedrant.co.uk uh, if you're a Facebook type person then facebook.com slash unitedrant has all your needs and if you're absolutely flush with megabucks you can uh, help us leave our jobs and rankcast full time by going to unitedrant.co.uk slash donate also worth saying reviews on iTunes really help us out And I worked out a way that I've never done this before. 
over the course of the week I worked out a way of looking at reviews on iTunes from other countries and I would just like to thank everyone in the US and Canada who wrote us really nice reviews some you know might not even be listening anymore because they're from a couple of years ago but there's some really really nice reviews on there and it's, it's massively appreciated so thank you very much to everyone that's taken the time to do that in the past yeah thank you very much M- much appreciated makes it worthwhile absolutely and talking of making it worthwhile two United victories still in the FA Cup still 15 points clear in the league that's what we were predicting by this time next week isn't it absolutely yeah on the way to the double and and a record-breaking premier league title win honest to alex is gonna happen uh, maybe not 